afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Welcome to a Monday in a market that really doesn't know what it's supposed to be doing. Some lower numbers seen in our grain complex today, but it was some higher numbers for the cattle, lower on the hogs. A couple factors that we're going to look at. We know that the export wire has had some chatter today. A couple unknowns worked in there. We'll talk more about who that might be. Uh, momentum of this trade, though, only seems to be able to focus on the weather. And, you know, when we're talking weather, it's more South America than it is weather here in the U.S. Mike Zuzlo is joining us today. He's with Global Commodity Analytics. And having said that, Mike, we're going to kick it off with a question from Ralph. Ralph, an older farmer in the Platte County area. And his question was, you know, obviously this market needs something. He called it, you know, the, the mid-January white sale that we used to always see because there's not a lot going on. Planting hasn't even started in the southern part of the U.S. yet. So he's wondering, what do we grab a hold of? to get this market excited to move forward towards spring planting? Yeah, it feels like that. It really does. And I I thank you for the question on that, Ralph. The the big thing I think we are still living off of, Susan, is the weather bowl that really charged up the soy meal and soybean market before the January WASDE report. And the WASDE report didn't do anything to hurt the weather bull at all and so the weather bull was still running pretty hard um especially in the corn potentially and in the wheat potentially because we did see that increase in soybean world ending stocks but that was a very big moving target at the time that report came out i think when i look at this trade both last week and this week the one consistent thing that i see is we started i think last week with the soybean weather bull jumping out That's where the corn lost about a nickel in new crop, but lost about 40 cents in new crop beans. And now, I think to start this week, because of better weather coming into potentially the hard red wheat belt, the soft red wheat belt, and still getting good rains in Argentina, and especially important southern Brazil, um, I think the weather bull, what little few we had in the wheat and in the corn, um, they're jumping out with the soybeans at this point. And I'm not sure there's a lot of weather bulls in the corn and beans, but if you look at that commitment of traders report, um, corn and beans were really added to by the managed money funds. And so whether it's specifically weather or not, I think the longs in this market are fearful now that La Nina is ending, that the hard red wheat belt's going to see a pattern change, and that South America has taken out as much production as possible because its weather patterns changing too and you know i'll leave you with one other thing and in some of the commodity index charts that i follow many of them right now they've kind of tightened up in terms of their monthly ranges um you know, ever since 2021 essentially or even late 2020 we've had 10 15 20 percent ranges on a monthly basis in some of these big commodity uh, indexes including agriculture indexes well the last six months we've seen these uh, ranges start to shrink down to five to eight to ten percent well last month for example and the month before was about an eight percent range on one that i really like following well that's 50 cents movement in corn and about a dollar 20 movement in soybeans just because of the price we're at right now so i think that's the other thing is just the um, reaction um, by some of the longs makes a bigger splash on the net price change because of these elevated price levels we're still priced at. But with this weather change, 
Can it be a good thing? I mean, we have been so extremely dry, and you and I have had a conversation in past reports about looking at 2012 and then the wet 2013 we had. Uh, Many are hoping that that's a a good repeat for 2023. Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to give us $10 hard red wheat futures and and $9 soft red wheat futures, yeah, bring on the rains. I mean, that's how I look at it because I work primarily with the supply side. I do have... Um, some feeder uh, customers that obviously want those lower prices. And I think this is an opportune time for the feeder side of the equation because I think, simply put, we started off 2023 with the wheat pulling the corn down, um, kicking and screaming, essentially. And this may be one of the best opportunities in the calendar year of 2023 to go after getting some corn bought because we've now taken that soft red wheat corn spread down to about 50 cents after today's trade. And, you know, now we're starting to get the wheat into a feed category, and it's helping pull that corn down. And so that's something I'm really actively looking at here between the end of the month and the end of February, 1st of March, is really going after getting some corn needs locked in for 2023 livestock customers. And and I do that because, in part, there is still that mindset out there that the macro markets are coming around for us in 2023. We had a new seven-month high in the Hong Kong equity uh, exchange, the Hang Seng, and so China seems to be coming back in terms of how traders in the financial markets view it, and that helped us get to seven-week highs in copper and seven-week highs in crude oil. So that's the other side of the coin we have to keep watching because at some point, I think the grains will match up with some of these outside market fundamentals. And Mike, we got about a minute before we go to commercial break. You talked about wheat. You talk about weather. Kind of makes me think of this Black Sea region because really weather's not been too rough on, on the wheat there for dormancy and concerns with cold snaps. No, that's a really good point because just today, however, Susan, we saw that Mars, the European agency that does a lot of forecasting for the Euro uh, countries uh, in the in the agriculture sector, um, they actually put out kind of a mini alert about how the record warmth in many parts of the European wheat belt could become a problem here in the next one to two months if it's not followed up with good moisture, uh, especially if they would turn off very, very cold. So I think that, again, that we have seen a market where they've readily taken on bearish weather news and not really taking on bullish weather news. We're living that in Nebraska and Kansas right now. I think that goes right back to Ralph's question. All right. We'll stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half on this Monday. We'll talk about these export numbers and what the wire has been talking about, including an interesting unknown on the soybean side. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Results are in for 2022, and Fontenelle does it again. In farmer-managed trials this past season, Fontenelle's three top-yielding corn products had an 8.3 bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume products. That's a 68% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Results calculated using 15% moisture. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Mike Suzalo. Mike, of course, with Global Commodity Analytics. And we left and I was talking about the unknowns that we've talked about on these export potentials. And from a bean perspective, I've just pulled up the numbers. It was uh, 192,000 metric tons. And I had said to you before the program, it can't be China 
I'm thinking because they're obviously in the Chinese New Year holiday, so we don't hear anything from them during this time frame. But who else might be out there that you guys are hearing chatter about? Well, the, the Mexico uh, demand has started to perk up, not just for the uh, the corn market, but also for the soybeans. And they're still working off of a pretty substantial drought in some of their key areas. So I'm not so sure that that wouldn't be a possibility. And it could be another Asian country. And I, I think Taiwan might be a possibility as well, Susan. Um, I think it's interesting because between the exports and export inspections last week and the sales combined with the inspections and then today's inspections of another 1.8 million tons and a, a top-end trade estimate of about 1.95 million tons. We're really closing the gap in the soybeans as far as export inspections marketing year to date, only down about 2.7%. And so this is where my take is that we still want to watch the meal market because we still have a pretty strong demand base in the meal. This goes back to your feeding needs. And we still left a gap above the market in the meal chart, in the monthly meal chart, when the January went off the tra- uh, trade uh, last month, right up around the 492 area. So I'm going to say to clients and subscribers that we want to be on the lookout for that potentially getting filled as long as we don't see the beans uh, get tripped up and take out that 1480 area because one of the only reasons I could see that 1480 area taken out in lead month beans is if we would take out $7 in soft red wheat or in $8 in hard red wheat. So I, I could see it as a domino effect, but then that would kind of make me have to wait for that gap to get filled in the meal. It kind of makes me smile, though, when you talk about Mexico, for example, and, and corn, knowing that 2024 is just around the corner and all the political happenings that are going on with corn yeah and this is you know i'm getting ready to do some more seminars and webinars this next week and it really does call to mind what's going on with argentina and their corn crop and the rains are just too late i think is is a safe bet because they're just not even going to get the acreage base planted that they wanted because of the drought and so they're they're just knocked out of getting the production because the crop part of it didn't even get planted and so if we come in with like a 44 or 43 million metric ton corn crop down in Argentina, that takes you back to where we were, you know, four or five years ago when it was hard for them to get more than, say, maybe 25 or 30 million tons out the door. And USDA has them at 38 million tons. And this all goes back to that wheat corn relationship and the feeding side of the equation. I just don't see a lot of competitors out there. And Ukraine has also said within the last month, they just don't see the corn acreage for 2023 that they've been accustomed to getting. And I think that's a safe bet, especially if we see heavier armament from the West move into the Ukraine uh, territories, because that's probably going to create an even more vicious war that's going to probably even last longer. So I think that's still an unwritten part, an unwritten chapter in the corn and wheat price action for 2023. During the front half, you talked about locking in some of those feed options for our livestock producers, and it reminds me of our new uh, Deputy Director of Agriculture, her saying of walk the corn off the farm, something her grandpa used to say, and, and we know that there's a need for feed use right here in the United States. Yeah, we don't feed like we used to. We use a lot of compound feed, obviously, and so that's not a, a, as much a, a, something that pertains to us as it did back in the 60s through the 80s. But I think the general mindset is the livestock industry, the protein industry is the one that really benefits the most um, from globalization because of diet change. And then that feed ba- feeds back into 
um, the, the size of what kind of a crop you need when it comes to the feed grains and oil seeds. I think we have a pretty solid demand base on the feed side. So walking that corn and walking that wheat and beans off the field, I think is going to be pretty obvious the first half of the calendar year. I think your dressed weights are probably going to start to go up in the cattle as we see the herd start to shrink. Uh, we'll try and make more profit per head, in other words. Um, I think the one thing that I'm still concerned about, and it's still an unknown uh, right now as far as putting a hard pencil down on it, and that is the Chinese hog herd and what that may do to the U.S. hog herd, because it, I don't think there's any question this last three weeks, essentially ever since Christmas, um, the trade, the financial markets, the funds have said to the to the hog breeders and the, and the U.S. hog producer out there, do not expand because we're going to take your prices down. And, and going below that $80 level and getting close to $75, that really does tend to hurt at these prices for the feed side of the equation. Very much so. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way is globalcomresearch.com. That's globalcom with two M's, research.com. But don't hesitate to pick up the phone and call me toll-free after the market closes at 866-471-2588. If you have a specific question or need a meeting to be done, be happy to come up and see you. All right. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.